When somebody is the best at their craft, I want to know how they got there. I have the number one luxury real estate agent in Las Vegas. This guy sold over $3 billion worth of homes. I got none other than Ivan Share. A lot of people will look at that and be like, well, Ivan got lucky. I never get any big breaks. And it's like, well, have you freaking pounded the pavement at all? Like, have you even given yourself a chance to get a big break? It's all about just never quitting. Yeah. Just don't quit. Yep. And you won't fail. But I love success. I love bringing people with me. I love winning. I love when I lose, finding out why I lost, then building a better mousetrap and yeah. winning again. The rejections are actually instructions yeah. on what to do next. It's like connect the dots. Yeah. You just have to ask the questions. So how would you say somebody breaks into luxury? Because that's a market that's hard to tap. For most people. What's up, Wealth Builders? Today, I have the number one luxury real estate agent in Las Vegas. This guy sold over $3 billion worth of homes. He sold me a home before. There's a whole bunch of things that this guy's done. He's worked with the top celebrities, actors, entrepreneurs. This guy's behind the scenes helping them buy and sell homes in Vegas. I got none other than Ivan Share. What's up, man? Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me, buddy. Great to be here. Yeah, dude. Thanks for coming on. I don't have many realtors on the show. Um, because I always talk about how much I hated being a realtor, but when somebody is the best at their craft, I want to know how they got there. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. No, I would probably minimize the realtors as well. So, <laughs> so, so good call. Yeah. So how long have you been a realtor now? So it's interesting. I started probably late, let's see, 1995. Okay. And my first couple of years, I think I may have made seven grand. So tell me about that. Like, how did you even fall into real estate and- why, why was, why it's, were you so bad? <laughs> it's all, it's, it's always a fluke and it's, and in my instance, it's because it was default. I, di I didn't qualify for anything else. School was not my thing. I just wasn't that quick in business. Um, and I was sitting down with my, my, it's actually my parents and ultimately my dad. And, um, and this was in Maroon County cause that's where we lived at the town in, at the time. Where's that at? In Northern California, just outside the Bay area. Okay. All right. So we were, we were hanging out there and I remember sitting with my dad and, uh, tremendous respect for my dad, right? So I'm talking to my dad and uh, my dad, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm a communications major, you know, which means I don't, I don't want, I don't know what my major is. Yeah. I just made up communications to, to get a degree. And he said, um, he said, well, Ivan, let's look at your strengths. What are you good at? Yeah. I said, I don't know. What am I good at? He said, well, listen, you've sold Cutco knives for, uh, you know, growing up. He goes, and you sold to, and you killed it at that. I'm like, yeah, but dad, that was to your friends. They had to buy. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, let's, let's go with that. He said, what else are you good with? I said, I don't know. I said, I, I think, I think I'm good with people. He goes, okay. So you're good at sales and you're good with people. He said, what could you do to maximize your potential and your income stream where you're good with people and good at sales? And I thought about it. I said, real estate. He goes, well, why don't we start with that? <laughs> and it was that simple. And I had, I didn't know it. I mean, listen, I've always had confidence and belief that, hey, at some point, some, I'm, I'm going to do great in life, but I just couldn't connect the dots. I had no skills that I knew of and, um, and went to University of Arizona in Tucson. Yep. Uh, loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. And uh, got started selling in Tucson and just had no clue. I mean, mm. there's no rule book. There's no, it's not like you sit down from nine to five. It's the mid 90s. It's the mid 90s. Yeah. Mid nineties. No idea what you're doing. Cause they don't, I mean, still they don't train you in real no estate clue. school at all. No clue. They don't train you on anything business related. It's just like, this is what a licensee is. Yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre. And, e and even, 
even in, you know, the only way I believe to learn, truly learn real estate is to mentor someone that's done it. Yeah. To jump into a team or to mentor someone that's just incredibly successful. Be a, get a mentor. Get, thank you. Yes. Get, get a mentor because, um, because other than that, it's all somebody telling you what they think you should do and they haven't done it themselves. Mm. Yeah. I tell people that all the time, like even in social media, right? Like your client with us at Pineda Media and I always say the amount at which somebody will listen to you is going to be capped at your actual success at the thing you're telling them to do, right? So it's like, obviously social media can grow you as a realtor, but like if you're a no-name realtor who's never done deals, like social media is only going to take you so far, right? And, And there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, Ryan. There's a lot of people that are pushing the image of who they think you should be yeah. or what they think success is. And ultimately we kind of have our own kind of, um, we have to walk our own path. Yeah. Uh, we have our own uh, direction that we need to go. And if you try and follow somebody else's version of your path, it'll never work out. Well, look at you. I mean, like you're the top luxury guy. You don't look like a luxury agent right now. Right. I mean, you're wearing a normal t-shirt, jeans, shoes, like most luxury almost, guys almost didn't wear up. shoes, almost didn't wear shoes. <laughs> like how, how do you get away with that? The last time I wore a suit was for my job interview in Las Vegas, which was in 2000 to get the position, which was a buyer's agent for at the time, the top luxury agent in the city, Florence Shapiro. And it was so hot. And I say the last time, but that happened maybe uh, maybe a few other times in the, in the year that followed as I was trying to find myself through this wonderful lady and her guidance. And then I realized I have to be me. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that if you're, um, you know, uh, shorts ripped or ripped jeans or whatever, if you think that's you, it could be you, but there, yeah. there's a different version of that, that you, that you do. Yeah. And, and I just felt like over time when I started developing confidence, and that's the big thing, is that all, you know, it's so funny because when I first got my license, I actually didn't even believe that people needed realtors. I'm like, why would somebody use me? They could do it on their own. <laughs> why would somebody, why would somebody, why would some, I add no value. Yeah. And then over time, when I started to believe myself, and that's, that's a true statement. But over time, as I started to deal with the clients that I was dealing with, and they turned to me and asked me questions, and I, and I literally didn't know the answers. And I thought about it and I'd give them, I'd give them a, just kind of a gut answer. And they say, oh, okay, thank you, Ivan. And it meant something to them. And they took that and they ran with it. And and it and it worked. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I realized I'm becoming a resource to these people. Yeah. I'm like their financial advisor. I'm like their attorney. I'm like their doctor. And then all of a sudden I realized it's not that somebody else couldn't sell their own home, but why the heck would they want to? Mm-hmm. I'm, number one, and it, it takes time, it takes money, it takes energy. If you want to stop your job, if you want to stop your career and try and sell your own house, go for it. Right. And the reality is, is that I was helping people make a tremendous amount of money. I'd sell them a house and then six months later, call them back up and say, hey, Ryan, uh, how's the house going? And you'd say, buddy, it's awesome. We absolutely love it. I say, fantastic. How'd you like me to, how'd, how'd you like to, to make some money on it? Yeah. And then and, and I said, and stay married. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I started helping people. You're adding value. Own, that's right. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I was helping people make money. And, and as I was doing that, I realized I don't need to be anybody else. And there are some people that are suit guys and they kill it and they should be suit guys. But Ryan Sirhan. Oh, for sure. Suit guy. Oh, for sure. He could do whatever he wants. <laughs> but, but, but 
in terms of in terms and it's New York. It's different, right? Very you, different. It's very very different world out there. Yeah. But I saw at, his office. We we did a podcast interview right there in his actual office. And um to see what he's got going on in New York's interesting. You know, I asked Ryan, I was like, dude, how do you spend your time? Like are you making content all day? Do you still even show houses or you know, apartments? Like, what do you do? He's like, I spend about a third of my time making content. He's like, I spend a third of my time being a realtor and actually still showing houses and taking listings and everything. And then I spend a third of my time being the CEO of everything we're doing with education, the business, the team, everything is interesting. That's super cool. I mean, it's great to see. And and how we got started is even more interesting, which I'm sure you you know all about. Yeah. He wasn't even like a good realtor. He just got a TV gig right off the bat. And he was like, wasn't he at like a coffee shop or a Starbucks? And that's where he had his first job. And yeah. and he was, it's like, there's got to be more to life than this. And yeah, I, I love those stories. Yeah. Those stories inspire me. And I think that's the key is, is that if you're authentic in life, in your personal life, then you'll be authentic in your business life. Mm-hmm. If you have to play a role in your personal life, you're going to play a role in your business life. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Entrepreneurs, if you want to grow your business, there is no better investment than your own personal brand. The smartest thing I ever did was start creating content and investing into my brand. Ever since then, we've been able to triple our business. I've been able to raise more money than ever to continue buying more real estate. And it's all because I create content just like this. Now, a lot of people have asked me, Ryan, how am I supposed to do it? I don't know where to start. I don't know who's going to edit it. I don't know even what kind of setup or camera or anything to do. Well, here's the thing. We can help you with all of that at Pineda Media. We have a podcast checklist that you can actually get for free at PinedaMedia.com that's going to go over everything you need on starting a podcast. But to make matters even better, we'll actually edit your podcast for you. We'll repurpose it into short form clips like you see on my Instagram and my TikTok so that people will start seeing those clips and watching your podcast and in turn being customers or investors in your business. So if you want the one-stop solution where you can get everything done for you, plus get the education you need to grow your personal brand, then you need to go to PinedaMedia.com and book a free call with our team. You can also go get that free podcast checklist and that training program absolutely free by just going there. So go check it out. To backtrack a little bit, you know, you're you're in Tucson in the mid-90s, yeah. struggling as a realtor. You didn't have a mentor or anything. Like, how did it shift? Um, a few things happened. My day looked like I, I wore those, and you won't know this, and your generation won't know this, but those big Plantronics head headsets, okay. where you where you're walking around making calls, and yeah, um, and I'd make thousand calls. You we know? have AirPods now, exactly. <laughs> I've heard of those. Yeah, exactly. So so we'd make those calls and make the calls and make the calls. Cold calling, total sweatshop. Cold calling. Was Mike Ferry around teaching that? It was Mike Ferry. Okay, I was a hundred percent Mike Ferry. Okay. Um, and just not getting great results. Okay. But in my mind, I was doing my job from nine to five. I'd get on the phone. I wouldn't get off until I was done. And if I got an appointment, I would be so excited, but I didn't know how to do a listing. Didn't know how to close. <laughs> uh, didn't know how to close at all. And um, ultimately, ultimately, what happened is some family friends probably felt sorry for me, had me list their house. Uh, and back then it was $250,000 and I'd never seen a house that expensive. That Or I'd seen one, but I just hadn't had the opportunity to, to sell one. I was so excited. Yeah. And, um, what ended up happening to shift me was two things. Number one, an agent that I connected with a a really good friend of mine at the time, his name is Rob Lamb, uh, and still a good friend. We just have lost contact. 
um, he and I, he and I were talking and he's like, Ivan, he goes, why don't you come and help me? I'm so busy at work. I, I need help. I need somebody to come over and take up some of the load so I can go out and do my thing. Yeah. And we connected and we just went out and started selling and selling and selling and selling and getting, and when I say selling, I mean getting listings. Yeah. Cause the name of the game in real estate is listings. Yeah. Listings bring buyers, listings bring other sellers, listings are the key. Yep. And so, uh, and so that was my first opportunity to make some money. And I remember my first year with him, I think I made 60,000 and man, I was just, I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, 24, 24, 20, 23, yeah. 24. Yep. I uh, just could, couldn't believe it. And, um, and then I got married and uh, my wife and I, my wife at the time and I had our first baby mm-hmm. and it was, it just absolutely threw me for a loop. Mm. Meaning all I wanted to do, all we wanted to do was just sit and watch us create this miracle of life. Just watch, watch Max, yep. who you know, which is how we met actually. Yep. Yep. Watch this kid like observe the world and look at his big cheeks and how the fact that he had no ankles because <laughs> the fat rolled over and it was the cutest thing ever. And Jen, my ex and I would sit there and just be in awe and, and it was just the most perfect time. Yeah. But I stopped producing income. Yeah. And so at some point, remember my dad's a huge influence, big hero. Uh, and it, and at some point he stepped in and it, it, when I told him like, okay, so now what do I do? I have no money and, yeah, yeah. and, uh, and all these bills and he's like, okay, we're <laughs> you gonna, should probably work again. Pro- probably work again. <laughs> it's a good, good call. Where were you when I needed you? I know. It's I pretty go simple. Work. Just, just go just, work. Just go work. Yeah. Um, he's like, go work for your uncle. Oh. Like, I don't want to work for somebody else. He's like, you don't have a choice. So he helped move me to San Diego, which wasn't too bad, right? Oh, yeah. So he helped move me to San Diego and uh, I went to go work for him as a buyer's agent. Yep. And um, didn't like working for somebody. Mm. Uh, he was a great guy. I'll tell you an interesting story about him. I learned about integrity in business through him. Mm. And uh, he was a, 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 a war veteran. Uh, he was... Uh, the pillar in the community. What he, was his business? He was in real estate. Oh, okay. He's yeah, also in real sales, estate. Yeah. All right. And um, not an easy man to deal with personally. Um, he's very strong in his opinion. And that doesn't necessarily, if you're not malleable, if you're not, if you're not able to kind of duck and dodge <laughs> and roll with the punches yeah. in a relationship or yeah. relationships, it's, it's tough, but a great, 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 great mentor of mine. And one day he calls me up and he says, hey, Ivan, I want you to come to my house for lunch. I said, I'd love to. So I show up and <clears throat> and he's got two brown paper sack lunches, mm. three. And he's, he's making a, the sandwiches for me. He goes, come with me. We get in his car and we drive down maybe 10 minutes to a different part of the city. And I'm like, where are we going? He goes, you'll see. I want you to meet a friend. And we walk into this, ho- into this house. He knock, knock, hello, hello. And he walks in, doesn't even ask, wait for someone to let him in. He walks in and it's dark and there's cats and it's got this weird, depressed vibe. And we walk in and my uncle's name was Stanley. And, he, and he's like, hey, it's Stanley, it's Stanley. And I hear, Stanley, come in. And there's an old guy in a wheelchair covered in, in a blanket with cats all around him. And we sit down and he goes, I, I brought you your lunch. And, and I was just speechless. This was not about him. This was not about a deal. And you think, I, I would do that. Well, do you? Do we yeah. do, we do that? Like mm-hmm. how many of us actually take time out of our agendas and our days? And if you do, amazing. I don't mean giving money. 
I mean, this is what he did for this guy several times a month. Mm. And he'd sit down with him, talk to him, open up the newspaper. That's what people read at the time. Yep. Uh, open up the newspaper, go over current events, ask him about his family, say, well, this is, this is my nephew, Ivan. I wanted you guys to meet. And off he'd go. And I looked at him and I just saw him as a hero, just mm. incredible man. And that's when I learned about integrity. And when I moved to Las Vegas, which I'm speeding up a bit, Florence Shapiro, my partner that passed five years ago, she had that same level of integrity. Mm. So it wasn't very hard for me to learn how to be real when everyone I associated with was that way. Mm. And I learned very early on that you become who you, the books you read, the people you associate with. So who was this guy to your uncle? Was he just, he was a war just veteran, a friend? just a war veteran that he got to know who's wounded in battle. And wow. He just went to go meet with him. Wow. Very inspirational. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, even for him, right? I don't, you know, I don't know what the, um, like you said, it wasn't for business. Not like he was going to try and list his house or anything. It was just something he wanted to do to give back, right? And find, he found enjoyment out of it too, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, purpose. Yeah, purpose. And so many people are so caught up in like, is this worth my time? Is this a good dis- business decision? And like everything is dollars and cents. And to your point, um, man, life's about so much more than just dollars and cents. You know, it's like you got to do things that fulfill you beyond business. Now, hopefully you're in a career where, you know, you get a lot of fulfillment from your work as well. But it's like, man, if work's all you do, that kind of gets old real quick. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because people ask me, or they don't ask me, they assume that, you know, I love my job and I love, I love what I do. I love the people I associate with. I've, I've, in my mind, I have the greatest job in the world. I have, um, I mentioned earlier that it's, it's the people around us that, that create, that influence who we are and ultimately who we become. And I just have the greatest people around me from, you know, my, my kids, my girlfriend, Lindsay, my ex-wife, Jen, uh, my, um, my, the team that surrounds me in the office with Pam and Brian and the whole crew and my agents who are, who are phenomenal. We have, we have a, a little bit of a cult in yeah. the office in that, in that it's, it's something that, that, you know, we're not, we're not looking to hire new agents every once in a while we will. Um, and it's a very special type of a person that we bring on. Production is only one sliver of what that is. It, it's, character it's authenticity if someone's entitled or has entitlement attitude yeah there's no time for that there's no drama yep and it's just easy and good and it's it's a great space so i think i i totally got off track but i don't remember <laughs> so no no it's all good i i totally agree our office is very similar in that you know we're all we, we've got our own purpose and cause and we got a mission that we're trying to accomplish around here and we don't really need people who who ain't about it I mean, that just is what it is, right? And and as you get older, I mean, y- I mean, you've you've done such a phenomenal job, Ryan. You don't need me to tell you that. But as you get older, you actually end up um, valuing your time with people more and more. Meaning that the people you want to meet with are the people that you'd want to go to lunch with. For sure, you don't want to just sit down and go out with or or or, or people that you'd have your kids around. Yeah. That's super important. And after that, it's just not worth it. It's just, yeah. And you know, when you meet someone that has got the wrong kind of energy Vibe, or drain yeah. or 
what have you. 100%. Yeah. Wealth Builders, if you are trying to grow your real estate investing business, then you need to join us at Wealthy Investor. You have no idea what Wealthy Investor is. It is our coaching program and community. We have helped thousands of students worldwide grow their business. Now, it doesn't matter if you're just getting started and you're trying to get that first deal. We can help you do that. If you're trying to scale your business and go from a few deals a year to a few deals a month or even seven figures a year, we can help you do that too. In fact, last year alone, we had over 30 students do over a million dollars in revenue. And I'd love for you to be the next one. So it's pretty simple. If you're trying to grow your business and wholesale more homes or flip more homes or buy more rental properties, then you need to go to wealthyinvestor.com and book a free call with our team. It's super simple. We'll go on a strategy call with you and figure out how we can help you grow according to your needs. So all you got to do is go to wealthyinvestor.com, book the free call with the team, and we'll see you there. So, you know, you work for your uncle, you learn a bunch of lessons, and then you move to Vegas. What brought you here? So my, I, I learned that I couldn't work. Well, there was two steps. Working for my uncle was good, and then it wasn't. Um, and I knew I wanted to get back into the main aspect of, of uh, selling houses. And the way I did that is I, is I connected with... Uh, um, there was a there was a Remax office that I was working in, and I were and I or that that uh, attempted to hire me, and I went to go work with them, and it was great. But I was a manager. Yeah, I had no clue about managing. <laughs> That's why I'm saying you got to be careful. People took my advice as if as if it was Tom Ferry or Mike Ferry, and, and <laughs> like, I, I still no, don't even know what I'm doing. No clue. No yeah. clue. And uh, and my parents had just moved out, and I come from an entrepreneurial family. Yeah. My dad is, you know, was, he's retired, one of the top fertility doctors in the country. My mom oh. owned a, owned a, was an actress and owned a theater company and, and just always moving and always doing things and involved in the community. And uh, again, my dad said to me, Ivan, no, this time it wasn't him because he moved me to San Diego and he saw that I still wasn't happy. He's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to move you anywhere else. And I said, well, how are things going in Vegas? Because he just moved out there because I doubled my business from, mm. from the Bay Area. Wow. I said, okay. And I said, is there an opportunity to move to Vegas? And he said, Ivan, the Vegas market is untouched, hmm. but it needs to come from you. I can't be involved in it at this point. So the, the one thing that he did do is connect me through a friend with Florence Shapiro, hmm. who was and is my mentor. And I, I remember driving out at the, at the time, I'd drive back and forth to to Vegas, to San Diego, to Vegas, to San Diego, trying different opportunities, meeting with different brokerages, looking about getting commercial residential. I had no clue. I'm going to hit this again. <laughs> no, no clue. And I met with Florence and something about her, you know, she, she's foreign. She's from France. Okay. Her accent isn't terribly French. There's something else, but she has this energy and this vitality and this positivity. And it was infectious. And all she kept on saying she had this big smile, super classy, super refined. And that was when I was wearing my suit for yeah. that interview. And all I heard was $100,000. I didn't know what it was about or 100000 where, but that to me, I'm like, okay. And I associated that with her and a position. And I said, I'm so interested in working with you. And she said, Ivan, I just hired somebody. I mm. just hired somebody. So I said, no problem. Keep my number. Please call, please think about it. And we just absolutely connected. It was, it was, um, um, well, it was an incredible connection. And I was driving back from that interview back to, uh, back to San Diego. And I called Jen and I said, Jen, I said, she goes, how'd it go? I said, you know, Jen, I said, she's unbelievable. And I said, but 
See, she just hired somebody and I was telling her how it wasn't going to happen. And then she called me on the other line and I clicked over and she said, come on, we'll make it work. <laughs> and that was the beginning for me. That was two, uh, 1999 and I moved here in 2000. Wow. And it, and it just, just that was, if it wasn't for that leg up, I would have been spinning, being one of those people that think, you know, um, I know I should make it, but I don't know how. Well, you know, what's interesting about that story too is like, obviously with hindsight, you look back and you're like, wow, you know, my life would have been so different if I never met her or I didn't work for her. Like she was the the catalyst, right? And a lot of people will look at that and be like, well, Ivan got lucky, you know? And to a degree, life is about luck and blessings and destiny and different things. But um, you got to put yourself in positions to get lucky. Right. Because a lot of people are like, dude, I never get any big breaks. And it's like, well, have you freaking pounded the pavement at all? Like, have you even given yourself a chance to get a big break? And it's like, how many people did you interview? How many times did you go back and forth to Vegas to like really find that person? You know, if you go talk to 20 brokers, there's a good chance you're going to be able to identify, you know what? This Florence girl is like way better than all these other people. I need to work for Florence. Whereas other people are like, oh, this is the first opportunity, whatever, let's do it because they have no other opportunities. So it's like, you've got to create opportunities for yourself if you're going to succeed. And like hard work, like makes you, makes you lucky. It's so funny. Yeah, it's a hundred percent true. I was talking to an agent today and we were just kind of going over successes and what have you. And this particular agent's having a tough time. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're going through a bit of a struggle. And, and I explained to her, I said, you know, and not just the struggle, but the mental getting down on yourself. Why am I not here? Why am I not at this spot? I believe that I could be here and I'm not here yet. And I was talking to her and I said, I said, you know, ultimately I said, the, the, um, failure only happens when you decide that you failed. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you keep pushing. Right. And, and we went, went over some tweaks and I, and it's, it's all about just never quitting. Yeah. Just don't quit. Yep. And you won't fail. It'll be a part of your growth story when you look back on it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't quit. You got to just keep going. And I'll tell you this, like what I have realized over the years is relationship capital. That's just what I call it. The amount of great relationships you have, um, is far more valuable than anything else. Uh, the fact that I can call you up, you know, is a very good relationship. If I need to know anything about Vegas and the real estate market, luxury market, like, yeah, I know a lot, but like being able to have your insight on what's really happening behind the scenes at the top levels, like amazing. That's awesome. Um, being able to do any of like the things I have. Yeah. And, and vice versa. I mean, there are times I've called you Yeah, and said, Ryan, I need guidance on this. And, and that's the other thing that's important is, is. You know, one of my superpowers, I believe, uh, is that is that I know I I have a segment of knowledge, but it's just a segment. Mm -hmm. And even if you're a one year out person in in a in a field or in real estate or something, and you do things a little bit differently, I want to learn what you're doing, and I yeah. want I want to ask you, Ryan, what are you doing differently? How can I want to learn that? And yeah, it's not that if I think I'm better than that, that I'm that I'm <laughs> done already. Right, I'm out. Hundred percent, yeah. Every I'm I'm constantly trying to learn. You know, this right before this uh, interview today, I was on like at least four different calls. You know, 
One guy <clears> was telling me he just sold his house in the summit for 20 million plus, and you already were a part of that deal in a way. And I was like, oh, that's random. You know, then another guy we we're talking about software, another guy we were talking about social media, another guy we we're looking at deals and apartments in San Diego. And I'm just like thinking in my head, man, I'm talking with all these top level people in their industries. Like, how lucky am I to be able to like literally I'm conversating with the cream of the crop in, in the world. It's a privilege. Right. And it's like, am I lucky or did I just like put in the work to be able to put myself in the position to like make myself valuable for them. Right. Because these guys aren't just hitting me up because I'm some bum, you know, it's like, you got to constantly add value to those around you. And I think like, to your point, you mentioned it earlier about being a realtor where it's like, why would anyone want to use me? Like they could just do it themselves. And this was before Zillow, right? Where they really did need a realtor back then yeah. way more than they would today. <laughs> right. So you have to constantly be innovating and showing like, man, my value is this and I can quantify it. You need to be the resource. People need to, people call me now. It's, it's my job isn't as difficult as it was yeah. in that regard. Mm -hmm. People will call me up and say, Hey, Ivan, I'm thinking about selling my house. Can we have a discussion? It's, it's very different than why would I want to use you? It's a different conversation, but I had to earn that. Yeah. Yeah. Your reputation and track record. Yeah you know, allows you to do that. Yeah. So you start working with Florence and, you know, you're just working as, you know, a normal agent. I, like, I don't know how it began, but at some point you guys got closer, you proved yourself and you became partners. Like how did all that play out? You know, it's interesting. I, um, I, when I started to work for Florence, I started as a buyer's agent and there was a, there was another agent that was working there that she just hired that was incredible. I mean, she knew the right words. She was sophisticated. She was stylish. I knew none of that. <laughs> I was rough. I was, I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but she was polished and I was not. Yeah. And I felt intimidated to a degree, but I knew that one of us at some point was probably going to step in and be her partner, or I hope that. Yeah. And that was my goal. I want to be your partner. I want to, I want to work on it. And so we started working together, the three of us, and a year goes by, two years go by, three years go by. And there's this secret competition going on between she and I. <laughs> and she, and little did I know that she felt the same thing about me. She was intimidated by me. Oh. Even though I wasn't polished and refined, I would speak my mind. I would say things that were audacious to her that she couldn't even believe that I would say and just keep a smile on my face and people would listen to me. Mm -hmm. And she was intimidated by that. And one day, uh, I, I have some friends who at, were my age at the time, so in their uh, early 30s, yep. 32, 33, <clears throat> that were just killing it in real estate in San Diego and in Tucson and, and what have you. And we all flew out to do like a group mindset, yep. a group thing. Mastermind. Mastermind, yep. thank you. And uh, she came back to Florence because she was a part of that. Um, her name was Missy. And she turned to Florence and said, if you don't make this guy your partner, you're going to be missing out. Mm. My competitor, so to speak. And we were never competitors, but we were. Yeah. My competitor turned to Florence and said, if you don't make this guy your partner, then you're missing out. Mm. And, and she said, I've seen what he's doing. I've seen what his peers are doing. There's some big things that are going to happen with him. He's the one you should hire as a partner. And she called me up and talked to me about being a partner. Wow. And so I have heard it. I have my competitor to thank. Wow. It was incredible. Yeah. So back to my point about loving what I do, right? Uh, we started down that road a little yeah. bit. And, and I was talking about how much I love my job and I love the people that I'm with. But real estate's always been a widget. Yeah. It's a widget. I, I couldn't do it if I hated it. 
Yeah. I, I really enjoy it, but I love success. I love bringing people with me. I love winning. I love when I lose, finding out why I lost, then building a better mousetrap and yeah. winning again. Yeah. I love negotiating, problem solving, solution, solution, drive, drive, move forward, move forward, yeah. and bring as many people with me as I can. Yeah. That's how I feel about it too. You know, real estate was the catalyst to my career and it was the first thing I was ever really truly good at in business. But then, you know, started getting into other forms of business and everything else. And like, I've realized I just love the game of business, right? Like I love trying to build the best company at whatever it is we do, whether it's flipping houses, creating content, you know, running an agency, doing events and education. Like I want to be the best at that. And it's fun to reverse engineer like, okay, why did we fail? Why didn't that grow? Why did that flop? You know, all these things. So yeah, I'm addicted to the game of business and success and helping people. And real estate just happens to be one of the avenues. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. The 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 greatest moment for me, aside from actually getting a, a listing or closing on a sale, is not getting a listing. Mm. And if I if I and I learned this a long time ago because I went through a series uh and I used to be afraid of listings. Before my partner passed away, I, I was I wouldn't go on listing appointments because I didn't believe I wanted to be a buyer's agent. I didn't want to be a listing agent. So um, so that was that was a challenge that I had. Mm. And um, so I went out there and uh, went on listing after listing. I was failing and failing. And finally, I called up the seller. And I said, "Hey Ryan, who'd you list with?" And they told me. And I said, "Listen, that person's an excellent agent. I never talk badly about anybody." Yeah, you know, it's, life's too short. Yeah, and karma's karma's a bitch. <laughs> so, so I, I, I called, uh, I called him up and I said, this person was a great agent. Can I ask you something? What was it about them? Yeah. That made you want to list with them. Right. And they never, they, they don't want to hurt my feelings. They always say, well, no, you guys were so close. And, da, 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 and they give me some song and dance. I take it to another level. Ryan, I totally get that. But if there were to be one thing. Yeah. What would it be? Well, if you're really asking for just one thing, then this is what it would be. Yeah. And then they would start talking. And I realized what I was doing wrong. Yep. And I realized what was being said about me by the other agents in the presentation. So my next presentation, I adapted and I got them. Mm, yeah, that's good. I uh, We're always asking for feedback at everything we do. And by the way, guys, if you, you know, you're watching this on YouTube, give us feedback on just the podcast as a whole. What, what do you want to see us do better? Like I, I'll read the comments and we will implement them. Um, but yeah, so we have a company called Pineda Partners, PinedaPartners.com for those who don't know, where, you know, we partner up with businesses, right? We will either buy businesses or create new partnerships and all these things. So one of the businesses is a software company that we just um, partnered up on and a bunch, not a bunch, but um, a few of my friends were actually clients of the software company, but no more. So I called them up and I said, guys, why are you no longer clients of this company? You know, give me the honest feedback of why you didn't renew. And um, they did. And what we found was multiple clients said the same thing. They're like, we loved using it for this, but we didn't really need it for this. And it gave us great data to say, well, you know what? The way they're using it's actually really good. What if we just tailored the product to that and then go all in on that? And that's now kind of what we're doing. But you don't know that unless you get real feedback. The rejections are actually instructions yeah. on what to do next. Yep. It's like connect the dots. Yeah. You just have to ask the questions. Yeah. So, you know, you you partner up with Florence and 
now you're starting to have some, when was like the first year, I guess you made seven figures as a realtor. First year I made seven figures. You know, I have to think back. Um, the one interesting thing about real estate is, you know, people always talk about gross numbers. Yeah. They talk about, you know, I can tell you I sold 750 million and I can tell you that it wasn't just me, right? Yeah. There's me and there's a, there's, team, there's, a, there's a team, there's a phenomenal group of people behind me. And at 750 million, it was, it was a great year. Yeah. That being said, um, the years, we only really started getting traction and, and everything is split when you have a partner. Yep. yep. Right. So if, if there's a couple million that you make, um, in, in a, in a, in a business where you're doing 150 million or 200 million, it's always diluted. There's expenses, there's costs. So before I started really earning money, uh, honestly, Ryan was right after Florence passed, mm. which is 2017. Right. 20 and 2017 is an interesting year. Remind me if, if I don't get touched on it now, I want to tell you what happened in that year for me because I'd never run a company. Mm. I'd never run a company before I could sell houses, Yeah, but I'd never run a company. And it was from 2017 onward that I really started to grow from a wealth standpoint. Mm. Um, but there's a journey to get to that I, that I'll, I'll touch on, which is super quickly. Uh, <laughs> this is why you're a good realtor, by the way, cause you're a good storyteller, you know, like, I, I'm like intrigued by your story because I've never heard it. I just see the end result and I'm like, dude, Ivan's like the guy, like freaking everybody uses him to do their luxury stuff. And so to hear the journey of how it all happened, I'm like, I, I like it. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, and I'm also curious how it played out during the crash going through. Oh, everything. that was it. So the <laughs> crash was a game changer. So at the crash, I was probably making, uh, there's two two facets to that. I was probably making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. 2006, 2007, maybe 300,000, 350, yep. maybe 500. So I was making, and I, again, I was so excited to be making that kind of yeah, money. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the crash happened in 2007. But at the exact same time, we closed on our, on our high-rise development. We started closing 2007, 2008, and this was a half a billion dollar project. Yeah. So I never felt it. We thought at 2008 that for some reason, because we weren't tracking our numbers back then. Yeah. We just thought that we were somehow impervious to the crash and everyone was everyone was going through their own thing and it wasn't fa affecting us. And somewhere midway between midway toward the end of 2008, I was I looked at Florence. I said, hey, Florence, when's the last resale we've done? And we looked over and there was like nothing. Mm. And so- we we did an incredible amount of business in 2007 2008 and what what ended up happening is we 2009 and 2010 it almost it almost finished us yeah and actually to florence's credit she paid for my she paid me a salary uh -huh. while i cuz there was no money coming in right and she paid me each month whatever it was 15 20,000 she paid me she paid me she paid me until and then till one month she said ivan this is the last month I can do this. If the market doesn't turn or if things don't change, then we're then we're uh, then we're gonna have to find something else to do. Wow! And that month the market turned. Oh, and we sold some houses. We got into short sales. We got into yeah, yeah. luxury short sales, and that yeah. was super cool. But a big learning moment for me then is at that same time, Mark Stark, who's still, you know, there's people in your life that that will will forever impact it, right? You heard about Stanley, my uncle. You heard about Florence my dad, my mom. Um, and, um, uh, Mark Stark's one of those people. Mark was 
the the CEO and the franchisee of, of Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. He had 5,000 agents. And he would sit with me and Florence, he said, he said, do me a favor, guys. This is during the crash. He said, do me a favor, guys. He goes, I want you to come back to me with what your goals are for, uh, for this year. And we said, no, but the markets, just bring me your goals. So we'd wait a week and come back. I met with him and he sat down. He goes, can I, can I be honest with you? And I said, yeah. And he said, can I be absolutely honest? He said, yeah. He goes, take it back. I said, what do you mean? He goes, take back your goals. I said, these are, and we'd worked on it. We were so proud of it. We calculated it. <laughs> we'd finally done some number crunching. He goes, take it back. And I said, what, what did we do wrong? He said, Ivan, have you ever done more business in this in your life? I said, yes, but it was a different market. He goes, okay, what's your market share right now? I said, he said, is it a hundred percent? I said, no, not even close. 50%? No. 20%? Maybe, not even. Is there room to grow beyond what this performer shows me? Take it back. Mm. Took back my goals. Florence and I sat, sat back and said, oh my God, we did this wrong. Let's try again. We came back. Now, this wasn't like an artificial lofty goal. Yeah. We literally bought into the fact that we had done it wrong. Right. We brought it back, set it in front of him. He goes, now let's go do it. Let's go do it. And we did. Wow. And it's it's that was a pivotal moment for me. And uh, and that was during the, and for Florence, that was during the crash. And, and back then, so we grew the company. And back then, I think we, uh, we, that back then we thought more was better. So we kept on hiring agents and agents and agents. We had 30 agents. Yeah. And we learned very quickly that that's not the case. <laughs> I had a, I had a brokerage of 200 agents. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you it's not better. <laughs> I got rid of it. It's quality over quantity. Yeah. Sure. You know, and that's why, you know, my, my agents today, I mean, I have individual agents that'll do over a hundred million each. Wow. You know, on their own. Yeah. And, uh, it's really, really great, great group of people. So, um, so, so that was my Mark Stark lesson. And from there we, uh, we continue to grow. And then right when Florence passed, I think the most that we'd ever done as a team was probably probably about 300, maybe 280 million, 300 million, which is a lot. I mean, it's, it's a big number. Um, and then she passed away. And now this is a 2017 story. Then she passed away and I lost a best friend, a hero, a mentor, an ultra kind woman, uh, and, and a guide. I'd never run a company. We talked about it, but I was, I didn't have the mental, the, the mental maturity to run the company. And now I had to pretend you're just an agent. I was just an agent. Yeah. With a, with a, with a skin, uh, skin surface knowledge of business. Yeah. And what had happened before she passed, like two months before, three months before she had quietly retired. No, told no one. <laughs> so, so what I was used to is Florence, how do I do this? Okay. Thank you. Uh, Florence, what about this? Okay. Thank you. So I wasn't really learning it. I was going through the steps of talking to her yeah. and then that was gone. Mm. And for three to six months, I was in a spin and I was so certain. Here's my, here's my internal monologue, my internal voice. You're no good. Uh, people are with you because of Florence, not because of you. Mm. Um, they're going to find out that you were, you were just in her shadows. Mm. And uh, that's what I was hearing the whole time. Wow. And I was proving myself right. Wow. Every time. See, I see, I told you you couldn't do it. And, and I didn't know it until looking back on it, that that's where I was. So at that, I'm 53 now. So that's 2017. What are we, six years ago? But by the way, just so everyone, like to put it in perspective, I mean, 
to have been in the business now for 20 something years to have like massive success to survive the crash and then a 53 to still have self doubt is kind of like people might be listening. Like that makes no sense. Like how it's so important that they realize that because at it, there's an image of what success is and, or, or, or where, where you should be in, in life when you're at that point. Yeah. And shoulds and shouldn'ts are irrelevant in my world is what I've learned. Yeah. But at, in, in that moment, I was the weakest probably in my mental strength and in, um, and in my, uh, belief, but you know, I didn't know that I yeah. thought I was strong. Yeah. I'm like, it's just going to come to me. It's just going to come to me. And it, and it didn't. And, and so in that moment, two people rose up for me again and offered me guidance. One of the people was Mark Stark and the other one was uh, Pamela Fox, who's my director of operations now. And Pamela turned to me and she said, Ivan, I believe in you. She said, go out and sell. Let me run the company. Go out and sell. It's what you do best. Now, remember, now I also have a fear of listings. <laughs> I, I mean, it, the, the, the self, yeah. self image uh, is just gone. And so I said, okay. And now I felt like I had somebody else to let down. And Mark Stark said the same thing. I will help Pamela. You go out and sell. Mm. And over the course of the next, and on top of that, somebody in, 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 Los, in Nevada, if you have a team, which is what I had, we had uh, Shapiro and Schur, Florence Shapiro and Ivan Schur. To have a team, you have to have the last names or first names of the principals only, and then the word team or group afterward. Yeah. And we, at the time, we were Berkshire Hathaway's top team in the country. Yeah. And I went on a listing appointment, and I actually got it. And I, was, I went against a competitor of mine, and I, I can't actually prove this, but I'm almost certain that this happened because I beat this competitor. The next thing I, you know, I got a complaint from the division saying I had to change my name. Mm-hmm. Because I would have kept Shapiro and Schur for as long as I could. <laughs> yeah, it's, right? good, it's been a brand I name mean, for a long time. Well, let's let's also back up. Florence Shapiro was, um, you know, at some point Steve Wynn's attorney uh, uh, agent, Sheldon Adelson's agent, worked worked with the top, the best of the best of the best of the best. Yeah, and all their all, celebrities, um, politicians, business owners, attorneys, doctors. She was the person in the city. Yeah, and so her name meant something. Yeah. And somebody tried to sabotage and said, listen, Shapiro and Sure isn't legal because Shapiro isn't around. She's no longer a principal. Jeez. So shady. Yeah. But guess what? What goes around comes around. <laughs> yeah. And we made the decision, you know. You'll have to tell me off camera who that was. I, I got to know now. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, made, we made the decision. We, yeah. I will. We made the decision to, to bite the bullet and make the change. And we made a celebration out of it. Yeah. And it was a big thing. It wasn't at Vintners. It was at Andiron. Do you remember Andiron? No. Andiron was in um, downtown Summerlin. It's where Harlow is now. If you've ever been to Harlow. Okay. Yep. It's, they, that was Andiron. Great restaurant. And and I was that was my first boost of confidence because mm. all of her clients showed up. Oh, that's all, awesome. Everyone showed up and supported and applauded and uh, and gave, gave me support. And you can do it. And I'm like, I can do it. I can do it. It's kind of like... I don't know if this, if you felt this way, it's kind of like, you know, if she was that and maybe you were like the vice president and now you're oh, yeah. going into office, like you're taking over. That's right. Yeah. And then it gave me time and we all, we grew by failing, but we, but we failed forward. 
Mm. Every time we failed, we like, and we second, or I second guessed, I second guessed everything, even opening up my own brokerage, which was just in October of last year. Right. And it, it was so funny because you can talk to Pamela. I'm sure she's got gray hairs because of it. Um, even till like a week before we opened the doors, we had every national and local brand saying, come join us, come work with us. We'll do this. We'll do that. And I was this close to selling out. I was this close to not selling out, but selling out of my dream. Yeah. Cause I've always wanted to own my brokerage. Yeah. I've always believed in that. And, um, and literally we were speaking to the team that morning. Um, cause we have our Tuesday morning meetings with the, with the team in the new office for the first time, which is in downtown Summerlin. Yeah. And, and in that meeting, that was the first time I, you know, that was the first time I revealed even to Pam what our decision was. I said, we're going to be as luxury. Mm. And we showed the marketing branding. We showed everything and everyone applauded. All the agents supported me and us. And that, that was just, that was less than a year ago. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the scary thing for me, again, as a business owner, you know that in 2022, the market shifted a little bit. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right? So what you think you know, I mean, you can know the theory of a highs and lows in real estate, but then you go through a shift right at the time where you're spending millions of dollars on a on a on a rent on a build out for a uh, an office. Yep. Right at the time when you know all these things are going on, and it's like, what the heck? And that's what caused me to question and to think maybe I should go a different direction until the market corrects, and I didn't. And I did the right thing. And mm. it's been just phenomenal. My agents are incredible. I'm going to go back to this. The job of being a realtor is, is a great job. And, I, and I, I love what I can do for my clients. I love that we offer something that really nobody else does. I love that we have the best agents in the city and the best marketing and all the things that go with that. And the best connections. You, just like you said, you pick up the phone and call anybody you know, in the country yeah. that has that could be a, uh, an asset to you or you an asset to them. Same thing. Yep. And, um, but what I do, I mean, I, I smile every time I walk into the office. I really have the greatest people around me. And for the most part, my clients are the same way. Part of what we talked about earlier that as you get older, you kind of define who you associate with. It's the same with your clients. Mm-hmm. If you have a client that isn't a good person, don't have that client. Right. You don't need the client. Right. You know, and it's, it might not be that they're not a good person. It might just be that you're not a fit. You can have good people, two good people that aren't a fit. Yeah. So I said a bit, that's a lot. Yeah. No, no, I love it. You know, I, I remember, um, once again, talking to Ryan Serhant about it and he opened up his brokerage, like, I think it was during COVID and he's like leaving, you know, what he knows works and branching off in his own thing and getting this building in New York. That's got like a six figure rent. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know about this. Like he's never done it. You know, he's been an agent and you know, I tell our students at wealthy investor this all the time where it's like, Hey, when you're first starting out and you're trying to get into house flipping or wholesaling or whatever, like you're a solopreneur, like you have a job, you're, you're a salesperson at the end of the day, who's running different assets or facets of the company. You're going to have to market and generate leads and you're going to have to sell and close deals. And you know, you're, you're learning how to run a business, but at the end of the day, you're, you're really just responsible for you. And most realtors are the same way. It's very similar. But then, you know, if you want to scale and you want to get to seven figures, you have to become a business owner. You have to hire people. You have to trust people. You got to learn how to run a company. And it's not just about you doing the thing anymore. And it's something that most never get to. You know, the amount of realtors I see 
who I think to your friend Mark Stark's point, who are like so satisfied to make a hundred thousand. And then like if they see a realtor who makes two hundred thousand, they're like, this guy's the greatest realtor in the world. And then like that's just the mindset of it. And like the I look at the two hundred thousand dollar guy and I'm like, dude, hire a couple of buyers agents, hire this guy, you can get to a million. Like you've got yep. the skill. You just got to trust. And then they don't trust people. They're like, oh, they're not as good as me. They're not going to treat the clients right. Only I can treat the clients right. And they've created a job for themselves. They have. They have. And it's funny because I go, I hate to break this to you, but like, you know, you're a $200,000 a year realtor. Like, you're not that good. Like, you're not the best at what you do. Like, your clients, they'll be just fine with somebody else too. It's all about setting the expectation. Yeah. You know, it really is. I mean, if you sit with your your, your sellers and you let them know about this fabulous uh, agent that you have and only specializes in working with buyers and when yep. she's looking ready to, or he's looking to look at a property or when they bring clients through, the, you've handpicked this person, they'll get it. Mm-hmm. And they'll, uh, but if you don't tell them and it's a surprise, that's a whole different experience. Yeah. I tell them too. Like, I'm like, look, we run an eight figure education company. Like people don't work with me one-on-one. You know, like they're working with our coaches. You know, we got all these different experts around the country and different assets or facets. They don't go demanding me as much as I like to think I have all the knowledge and everything. It's like, no, I don't. These guys actually know way more than me at the things they're teaching. And people want to hear from them and they trust them because of what you just said. Like, hey, if I say they're good and I've put my name behind them and I've hired them, then I'm going to take that, that they're. I'm going to put my trust in them too. And so it's like, if you're trying to run a team, it's like, just know if Ivan has put this person as your buyer's agent, you can expect that they're going to be the highest level of service. Exactly. And, and, and to your, to not to, I didn't want to dodge your question about when was it first a, a really lucrative business where it was in multiple millions um, or earning uh, multiple millions net. Uh, it was right after Florence passed. Mm. So my competitor launched my success by turning me into the division. But isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. You know, and then our, then the company went to um, 350 million, uh, 380, 4, 480. Then we went to, in 2021, we went to 750. Uh, 2022, we dropped to 460, which was still the second best year that we've had, but on a different level of expenses. Yep, yep. Uh, and then uh, this year, we're, we're right on track to be at or beyond 2021. Awesome. So we're at about, we're at about 400 million right now. Right now, halfway through the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So, I mean, obviously like that's such a amazing journey uh, of becoming an entrepreneur, like going from being entrepreneurial to like basically having a job for a very long time to then becoming a true business owner. Who's like making some serious dough, you know, after years of, I don't want to say grinding it out, but putting in the work as a realtor, Um, what for like the realtor, and I think this is, this is uh, applicable for even the investors too. Like, what is your, like, what, what's your day-to-day look like? Like, how are you generating so much revenue and listings and everything? It's, it's, it's a couple things. Uh, day-to-day for me is still, is still back to the basics. So in my mornings, I meet with Brian, who's, um, who's my, uh, well, you know, one of my top agents, but also my accountability partner. And in, and in the mornings we get together and we spend 
couple hours together, two, two and a half hours together, going over, Ivan, you need to call this person. You need to call that person. Don't forget about this listing. Don't forget about uh, these two people would be great together. And he's helping me jog my memory and I'm reaching out and making calls, making calls, making calls. Do you get a CRM that's like helping you with that too? Uh, I use follow-up boss. Okay. But I don't, my, my company does. They're like, hey, Ivan, here's your to-do list. Correct. Got it. And it's, and they keep me focused on the, the engine. And so I'm making the calls, making the calls, making the calls. Um, and how many calls, like how, how, how long are you on the phone a day? You think just honestly, I'm on the phone all day, you know, <laughs> but my productive time is morning. Yeah. Just the mornings. And then in the afternoon, I'm, I'm scheduling appointments for other reasons or, or even, you know, it's, it, or going on listing appointments or meeting with buyers, but my mornings are the production time. Right. And my agents are the same way and the, they, they have a different version of what they do. But their successes and my successes are all based upon the fact that we have normal relationships with our clients, earned relationships, but conversational. I'm not trying to sell you on anything. Yeah. You know, there, I had a, uh, I was working with a client uh, and this is a, this is a, what is this? This would be a 17, $18 million property that we're talking about. Okay. And, and I got him in to show the property. Uh, it, it, I've been working with him for two years now. And he turns to me, he says, you know, Ivan, he goes, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a difficult spot. I said, what's that? He goes, this other agent that I've been working with for a long time, he took me to see it a while back and he's been keeping me apprised of this particular property. You just happened to call me first. I feel a loyalty to this other agent. I said, buddy, I respect it. I said, go for it. Mm. Work with that other agent. Wow. I, I, I said, I never want to put, I said, and that's the other thing, Ryan, is it's as soon as my business is transactional, yeah. then I've lost the client. Mm. my business is about relationships. Yeah. I promise you he'll never forget that. No. And moving forward in the future, he'll call me first. Well, you know, too, that allow, you know, obviously integrity and everything is the first thing. But also, too, what I have found is when you don't necessarily need it, you know, it gives you the ability to, you know, turn down things and like make things like that happen. Whereas most agents or people who are struggling in business, like, bro, if I don't get this deal, yeah. like we're done. You always have to not need it. Yeah. Even if you need it. When I needed it the most, I yeah. didn't need it. Yeah. It has to be, you have to put them first. How would you want to be handled? Yeah. If you were buying or selling a home, you want someone to close you or do you want someone to give you advice to be, to not, not chum up with you, but give you advice and yeah. take you down a path of, of, uh, of, of where you'd want to take your brother or sister down Yeah, or your significant other. For sure. So how would you say, I mean, you guys obviously have like a huge client roster today. So yeah. I would imagine that a lot of what you're doing is following up or maintaining relationships. Is that accurate? hundred percent. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, uh, lunches, dinners, meeting for a drink, meeting for a coffee. That's with no other agenda. Just no, that's it. Hey, you get to, you get to just hang out with people. That's your job. I love it. <laughs> You're like, Hey, I you absolutely know what? Love it. I haven't seen Ryan in like a yeah. little bit. Let's just hang out. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is I do that with my friends just to be friends. And I do that with my clients for the same reason. Yeah. And it just evolves. If it's, if there's a need, it comes out. If there isn't a need, the relationship grows. Right. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's an amazing place to be at once you're established 20 plus years in the game. Right. So it, how do you get there? Oof. Cause like I see a lot of agents, I'll give you my perspective. I've never been a successful agent. I'm no longer an agent. So I'm the guy who you shouldn't take advice from, <laughs> you know, I'm being an agent. But what I can say as a successful real estate investor who goes after the same people, sellers and, you know, dealing with other buyers and investor, like very similar. So like for me, 
I've realized, you know, we, we do so much direct marketing to generate leads. Right. And so we got TV commercials, we got cold calling, texting, everything. Right. Uh, You know, like the, the Mike Ferry stuff, as much as maybe people hate on it, like if you talk to a lot of people, you're going to get deals. Right. And then I'm a big proponent of social media and I'm like, guys, you know, there's so much opportunity on social media. I mean, I know we have a bunch of realtors in our program that are doing multiple six figures, some seven figures just from social media. They do no prospecting other than social media, no cold calls, no expireds. They don't door knock. They don't do any of the things that maybe the old school methods would teach. So my question to you is what would you advise somebody to do to generate business in today's world? Cause it's changed. My, my, my lifeline was, was meeting Florence and joining the best team in the city. Got it. Right. Um, so you tell them to join a team. I would tell them to, to join the right team. Right. If you're getting started, learn the business on a team. Got it. At one point when I was with Florence, I was at tour before we became partners, I was making half a million dollars a year. I had no expenses. Okay. Nothing. She handled everything. I was making half a million a year and, um, she covered everything. And I thought I was in such a conflict because I'm like, in my mind being, you know, 20 something at the time or 30, 30 something at the time, my mind is, I want to learn what you do and go out and do it better. Right. That's why, that's why I joined Florence. Yep. Full transparency. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Right. Which is why most people would join a top team. Yeah. Like they don't want to be on the team forever. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait a second. I'm making half a million dollars a year. That's like 800 grand or 750, you know, if I own my own company. After the split. After the split, yep. right? And after the expenses and after yeah. all the things that come with it. And I, all I have to do is show up and and take the leads or take, or not even just take the leads, just just uh, run the company th- the way that she runs the company or work with the clients. Yep. And I said, but I'm not, th- th- there's like no passion in it because there's no entrepreneurial uh, element to it. So I decided, that's when I realized that, well, hold on a second. What if I live off of half of that money and take that other 250 and invest it and grow it in other businesses? And, and I started a mortgage company and we did all sorts of things. Yeah. That was exciting. Yeah. So so, so that's, I don't remember the question, but that's where I'm going to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess the, the question was, how would you generate leads and you know stuff for your business? And My, your, your, your suggestion is, hey, you know what? Go partner with somebody who yep. already does it. Learn for it. You. Yeah. Learn it through the best. Yeah. Learn it through. Learn what you like and learn what you don't like. Okay. And then you'll then you'll either grow with them, like I did with Florence. Yep. Or you'll go out and start your own business. Right. So, on one hand, as the, I guess Florence, we get lots of people who come work for me. Right. Doing exactly what you said, and they can make multiple six figures as salespeople. You know, selling our different products, working and getting deals, like whatever, right? And they see the same thing you saw where it's like, yeah, you know what? I could go try and do this on my own, but man, I know how hard it is to run a business. Like generating these leads isn't free. Right. There's risk. There's, you know, running it, having your own office. Like all of this has a lot of expense. And so for them, they're like, I just show up and the leads are there and I just close. Like, I'm good with just doing that. And then they have the same thing of like, I'll make this money and then I'll buy my own real estate. And like, that's the path. And and it's such a great service that you offer. In fact, I've even, not only my client, but I've sent people your way as well who yep. are looking to go to the to the next step in their real estate careers. Um, 
but what what that evolves into is it for me what it's evolved into is a relationship based business that grows continually mm-hmm. and i'd say 80% of my business is either somebody calling me up and saying hey ivan you know and yes we have direct mailing and traditional marketing means but hey ivan you know i, I know about you i know about your company will you will you come and talk to me uh, or hey ivan ryan told me to give you a call mm-hmm. or hey ivan um, Josh Altman told me to give you a call Yeah. or Hey, Ivan, what, whatever it is. Cause we all interconnect more often than not. Now I've been seeing a, a huge out of state push yeah. from other brokers yeah. in New York, in California, in, uh, Seattle, yeah. in, in Illinois, all the high tax state areas and maybe, uh, that are just challenged in other ways. Yeah, yeah. They're they're but they're finding me and the team and the brokerage um over anybody else because of the fact that we command the market. Yeah. In in certain price ranges, we literally I mean, if you're if you're over 10 million, which we never used to have that market. Yep. But now it's an exciting market. Yep. If you're over 10 million, we're we literally triple our next closest competitor in business. Yeah. And we only have, I think, 20 agents and there's 400 agent, 500 agent. Yeah, you've conquered the niche of of luxury, which is which brings up another point of, okay, you get these realtors. Okay, so what you're saying is, hey, you're a realtor starting out, just join a team. Don't even think about trying to do anything yourself because, you know, if you do want to go out on your own later, at least get that experience early on. And I would say this, I would agree with that. I would say to the realtors who are like all sour about splits and they're like, oh, I'm not going to give up half my stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, number one, full, you don't know anything. So dealing with you and teaching you is a lot of work. So <laughs> you're not doing anyone a favor. Like the the broker, the mentor taking you on, if they're actually going to train you, you should be paying them more. That's number one. Um, number two. Yeah. I mean, look, your first year in real estate is not about making money. It's like, how do I get the most experience, the most skills, the most knowledge, as fast as possible. My first of all, hundred percent agree. Yeah. My, my favorite stories of agents on my team. Um, and I, I can, I can go on forever. We'd need another few hours, but some of my favorite ones relating to that is I had a, an agent that joined me. She came onto the, under the team and she's like, Ivan, she goes, and she used to work for a very high end luxury piano company. Mm-hmm. I mean like seven fifty for a piano. Yeah. Right. So a nice piano. Yep. And she had a great book of business and she was classy and she's, she's just a great human being. And she came to me one day and she used to teach my, my daughters to sing and play piano. Okay. And so she came to me one day and she goes, Ivan, I would love, she said, listen, I don't even care what you pay me or if you pay me. <laughs> she goes, I just want to be with you and yep. learn and grow. And she's one of my top agents right now. Exactly. And, that, that, and that's the mindset. That's it. Yep. And obviously, you know, she's earned every bit of it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's always about the mindset. That's 1000% the mindset. So how would you say somebody breaks into luxury? Cause that's a market that's hard to tap. It's, it's super hard to tap. It's, it's almost impossible. Uh, one of my competitors, uh, Cameron Zan did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cameron's a good guy. He's got a good, good company. Um, but he started out in short sales. He just got out there and he became a student of luxury. Mm. He, he, um, he invested in a brand. He got a great name. He got a great, he's got a great look. And he, he did a, he did a really great job, uh, in, in that arena. Um, for most people, I'm going to, to, to defer that you, have, you should join a luxury team. Mm. He's the exception, not the rule. 
Yeah. You join a luxury team and you learn how, how, because it's different. When I've, when I've had people that or agents that have great businesses, but don't do luxury, yeah. try to join the company. There's a growth curve. Yeah. The close is so important to them or the script. And it's so different. Yeah. It's so different in luxury. How, how is the, okay, we, we go on a listing appointment or even, um, an appointment to get them to become a buyer. Like how does it change? Within, within five, within two minutes of me meeting you, I know in what you do right now, Ryan, I know that you're the best at what you do. Mm. It's the same with me. And you're mm. not selling me. You're just being who you are. Yeah. And it's, it's just due to experience. Yeah. Due to, it just changes. It's just, it's a confidence level. It's an experience level. You know, we'll, they'll talk and sometimes people don't, you know, it's, it's always fun when I get someone that doesn't know who I am. They just got a mailer or something. Yeah. And I sit down with them and I ask them like, do you know anything about my business or no? Well, I got your flyer and I said, okay, great. <laughs> so, so we sit down and I say, well, I sold that house up the street and the one that you're in the two owners ago, I sold it to them and this person. So I'm literally, so all of a sudden I've legitimized yeah. who I am, who the company is and what we can do. Yeah. And that's, that comes with time. That just comes with time. Yeah. There's no way to fast track yeah. that. So, so the gist of it is it's, you present to people in a way that you want to be presented to what I started doing and everyone, and Mike Ferry will just like shoot me in the head for this. I go on my listing appointments and I wouldn't bring any, they couldn't sign if they wanted to. And I tell them that, I say, Ryan, I, I didn't bring the paperwork. Even if you want to sign today, you can't. Mm. Yeah, I, this is you and I getting to know each other. Wow. Just totally different. Yeah. You know, I lost a few that way. I got a lot more. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. It's not going to work on everyone, but right. over the long haul. And it, it's just, that's who I am. I'm not high pressure. And I, and I hated to be thought of as a high pressure person. Yeah. And I hate high pressure people to me. Mm. So, I was asking um, Ryan Serhan about this because obviously he's doing like massive, massive deals in yeah. New York. And yep. uh, I was like, how is it dealing with like these guys? Like a lot of them got to have ego and oh, he's like, oh my gosh, it's like <laughs> insane. You know, the amount of egos he's like trying to keep deals together. You got two freaking really successful people <clears throat> duking it out over some little thing. And he's like, I have to constantly like decide what information I want to share at that <clears throat> time. Like what, you know, he's like, I just have to like, you have to be a, a personality manager at that level. It It's a hundred percent true. <laughs> it's, it's, how do I put this? Um, if one of the parties feels they're being taken advantage of, yeah. They they they're, they're just done. It's yeah. over. But the good thing is and I'm, you know, without getting too specific, I'm in the process of handling a buyer and a seller in the 17 plus million dollar range right now and we're just a couple hundred thousand dollars apart. Yeah. And it's that deciding what to how, how to tra convey the information and and how to paint the picture. But both people in this case are just, it'd be like you and I having a conversation. Mm -hmm. Good people wanting a win, win, win. Yeah. And we're all working together to get it done. And I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be able to tell you in a, in a week if this has come together or not, but super exciting. But this is a, this is a genre that's, that's new to Vegas. I, I um, there was an interview in the RJ that I did when, when I sold it was a couple of years ago. I think it was a $20 million, $19 million sale. Uh -huh. And at the time it was my most expensive sale. My most expensive sale to date is still really close to that. Just a little bit more, just over 20 million. And, and I remember, I remember talking, I remember talking about how there's a few different agents coming in and they were talking about their, their successes and, and great sales and the most expensive sale in the city so far as 25 million. 
It's still the the Dragon Ridge it, home. It's still the Dragon Ridge home. And what a, was Mark Wahlberg's? I thought he bought some crazy house. So, <clears throat> Mark uh, Mark bought a short term short term house, and uh, and you'd have to ask Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. He's actually supposed to come on the podcast. It'll be it, you. You'll love it. Yeah, you'll love it. Um, I know that like in the summit, there's been crazy. Like somebody bought like few lots for like forty million dollars or something, right? So like that doesn't count. <laughs> oh, it, it does. And the summit actually, so the summit has changed. It's like, which segment of the market are you going to specialize in? So for land, the the $40 million lot sale was just the most, you know, fantastic record breaker. Yeah. Uh, there was another sale that happened the summit for 30 million. It was off the market. It wasn't even in the MLS. Yep. But these are things that, you know, when someone's talking to me about the summit and I'm interviewing for a, a, a listing, yeah. the fact that I know these things and have been involved in some and not in others and, you know, that, that's an important, that's an important credibility, credibility. Yeah. It's important credibility. So the market is now just starting in my opinion. And I said this before in that interview at, um, uh, Buck Wargo with the, the RJ, he calls me a lot. Good, great guy off uh, of the luxury market. And he's like, what do you think about the market? I said, Buck, 20 million is just starting. Yeah. We're going to have $50 million sales in the next couple of years. I agree. Yeah, I think home sales, not yeah. land, but home sales. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what's the home going to be worth on the forty can you million? Ima- can you imagine? It's going to be a hundred million plus. Oh yeah, like what are you going to build? Yep. <laughs> and the more of that that we get, the more of the A players that we get in the city. The yeah. more of the it just we're evolving. The more the sophistication in architecture and design, the expectation alone is going to require that for buyers. Yeah, they're going to come in here and they're going to want that, and we now have that to offer. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. It's cool to watch design change in the city. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with those negotiations, right? Cause like I was asking Ryan this, I was like, dude, what, like, do you deal with those, those clients anymore? Like, you know, you're at the point where you don't have to work with certain people if they're, you know, just headaches. And he's like, you know, honestly, I, I do. I, he's like, I just, I, it is what it is. He's like, it's New York. That's just how people are. Like, where's your mindset at with like, working with certain clients or not working with them. I do to a point. Yeah. Because you know there's just going to be a level of ego at yeah. that price point. It's surprisingly not. Okay. I, I, I think people that don't have money have more to prove. Got it. Right? So so um, just because you have, I mean, some of the greatest people in the world are the billionaires and the hundred millionaires of the world. Yeah. They give more to charity. They give more of their time. They give, I'm not saying that people without money don't do that. But but it's a different level, right? Yep. And so and so, um, Florence and I are different. My ex partner, Florence Florence's win was when the sale was closed. She would her victory was in not succumbing to the emotion of the of all parties, which I admire. <laughs> I'm not quite there. <laughs> you know, mine is. I'll, I'll, I, I absorb, I'm, I'm easy. I go back and forth. I can, if, you know, ne- things aren't always perfect. And if I screw up, I'll take it and handle it and be upfront about it and be direct. If I'm caught in something that I shouldn't have done and, and it happens and I'll, I'll own up to it. I'll say, Ryan, you're right. Good call. That's a good, should have happened differently. My apologies. And sometimes that's good enough. Sometimes people respect the fact that, Hey, listen, we're human yeah. and there's no one that's perfect. I'm not perfect. Yeah. You're not perfect. But it's those people that push and push yeah. and push. And when it gets, there's a certain point where like, you know what, Ryan, I think we're done. Mm. It's just, we're just not a fit. Yeah. This is not worth the yeah. time. Nothing's worth that. Yeah. So it's rare. It's very rare that that happens. That it gets to that point. Yeah. It's very rare. Mm. Um, 
But that's my position. Got it. What do you think about, you know, on the luxury side with commissions, right? Yeah. Because you see a lot of um, the 1% commission guys and they're not yeah. even doing luxury. They're just doing volume of yep. normal entry level homes. So how does it work with commission on these luxury side? You know, uh, it's, it's personal for each agent. Yeah. Okay. Everyone's going to have their own philosophy. I, I have a, um, I offer a lot for yeah. what I, you know, when I, when I help you sell your home. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, um, I'll put out a 6% commission and most of my sales are at that. If I bring a buyer, it's maybe a slightly different number, but at the same time, if you and I have a relationship mm-hmm. and the sale isn't going the way or, or the, um, you're getting hurt financially. I'm not some guy that's going to stick on a number just because we have an agreement on that number. We're going to work it together. Right. And I'll take a hit and you'll to, to help you. And then we'll work together in the future. Yeah. That's cool. What, I mean, is it standard, I guess, in the luxury side of just continuing the 3% listing, like these, these 30, $40 million listings, is it the same deal? Like how do they work? It's, it's, it's individual for me. I keep it at, yeah, at, yeah. at that. Yeah. Got it. For me. Yeah. Just I know, I know, you know people that shift. Yeah, and I know people that shift that. And again, you know, if if you start lower, uh, then when, go up, <laughs> and and when it counts, because things in a negotiation come about, you've got nothing to offer. Yeah, you're already you're at the bottom. Yeah. So what, like, I guess, what's your pitch to people other than track record? I mean, track record's obviously the main pitch of like, hey, look, we we've done this a million times. Our, our record speaks for itself. Yeah. You want to work with us or not? Is that kind of ma- the main pitch at this point? There's several main pitches. Okay. There's track record, which, which I demonstrate and I show. Yeah. Um, and it's, and the numbers are kind of indisputable and you yep. look at it and you go like, I, I'd have to be an idiot not to. Yep. Um, then I talk about, um, about our culture that we're, you know, 18 to 20 of the, the top agents in the city Yep. and that none of us get paid unless your home sells. Yep. And and, and I talk about our marketing and I talk about our national exposure and I talk about our affiliation with Forbes Global Properties and I talk about, and I go on and on and on. I talk about our branding and I talk about our exposure online and I, it's, it's the same pitch, but at a different level. Yeah. What do you think about, because in my mind, I think about the luxury side and it's like, to me, a lot of deals get done um, behind the scenes, not like, you know, if I put my flip, which we've sold you know, hundreds and hundreds of flips on the market. I don't know who the heck's going to buy it. It's like, we're throwing this thing on the market and, you know, somebody's going to buy it, right? It's usually not going to be a repeat person. I'm probably never going to meet this person. That's how it is, right? But to me, it seems like, okay, you're talking about the luxury side, especially ultra luxury, 10 million plus. It's like, okay, there's only a few agents working in that space. So you already probably have a lot of the buyers who you know are looking you know, so-and-so already has buyers and like, you guys are aware of who's looking for what it seems like. And then, you know, you're also aware of who might potentially be looking to sell, even though they're not on the market. Like how's that game play out? Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. That's what I do every morning. Yeah. I'm on the phone looking for buyers and sellers to match them because we have our inventory is dead. Yeah. There's no inventory. We, We have no inventory. And so I'm calling my past clients, finding their motivation to sell. And if they would sell, and then I have a buyer and I want to show the house. And then, then I show the buyer the house and the seller now thinks that his house is worth more money after I've quoted the price of the buyer. So now I know that next time I show that show a house, I need to get it in writing. Yeah. So it's, it's that learning curve, but it's, it, that is a massive part of my business mm-hmm. off market product. And that's why a lot of buyers find me because of the footprint that we have, because of the amount of homes that we, so many buyers call me 
uh, I, they, they reach out to me online and I, and, and I always track my business. I yeah. love to find out how, how you found me. Yeah. And I'll Where say, did, what's the percentages? Well, so here's what happens. I say, Ryan, I say, Ryan, how, how'd you find me? And, uh, and you'll say, well, you know, I was on your website. I say, that's great. How'd you get to my website? And I'll say, well, I was searching online and, uh, uh, and your, your name popped up. I'm like, I'm like, Ryan, I love tracking my business. Is there anything else you can tell me about it? Where were you searching for me? And 70% of the time it's like, okay, Ivan, I was on Redfin or Zillow or Truly or Realtor.com and, uh, <clears throat> and I saw that you had the majority of the homes for sale. So you have to be my guy. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the expert. So that's a huge portion of it. Another portion of it is, um, uh, as I mentioned, referral. A lot of people call me from out of state, celebrities. Um, uh, your name was given to me by this person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. So just referrals and then just because you have so many listings. Because of our presence, yeah. Yeah. It's huge. That's what I tell people too, you know, like with my social media, um, like I know how they find me. They're finding me on social media, right? Yeah. But they're like, dude, we just see you everywhere. Like, so <laughs> you have to like have whatever it is we need. Like we can't, we see you over on YouTube. We see you over on TikTok, on Instagram. Like we can't get out of the algorithm. It's it's true and it's funny because at one point somebody said to me, Ivan, I see you everywhere. You know, are there any listings you don't have? <laughs> and that was during a time where our market was down. Yeah. But uh, but our 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 marketing was not. Yeah. And we were pushing out there and we were exposing and we have a great marketing push. How much do you spend a month on marketing? A lot. What's a ballpark? What would you guess? Is that that second layer of questions? <laughs> um I know ultimately it's seven figures for the year. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, I, I'd have to break it down more than that. Yeah. Across all my businesses, we're at multiple seven figures. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a lot. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to owning a company. Yeah. And successful and conti- continuing it to grow and being a cert- doing a service to your clients and at the same time granting exposure for the brokerage, but you want it to be the right exposure and we've really refined our brand. Here's a question. So I understand the marketing... Um, for your business, right? So you're you're going to market and try and get buyers and sellers to understand who you are. How effective is like marketing of individual properties? Because you know, on the um the normal side for flips, it, it requires no marketing. It's just throw it on the MLS. It's gonna sell. Get some good pictures. You don't even need to stage it. You don't need to do anything. And I feel like on the luxury side of things you know, you see people put more into marketing, but like, how is it on the individual property side? It's, it's significant. Okay. There's so many times where we take over a listing from another agent and then within a short period of time, we move it. Mm. And it's, it's all about the quality that you use to, to, to get, cause, cause people who have money, they're sophisticated in how they see things and how it's presented to them. I, I, when I'm on a listing appointment, I joke about it and I don't even know the site. So you're going to have to, and you won't know me either, but you know, the dating sites yep. where you swipe one way left, I think. And if Tinder. You, <laughs> you swipe left, if you don't, if you don't want them on right, yep. if you do want them, I'm like, Ryan, we want people swiping right when they see your house. Yeah. So that's, that's what we focus on. We focus on getting that first impression, getting that, we want it emotional. Yeah. We want it charged. Yeah. How has it been? Like managing a team, right? Because you said you had 20 agents. You're mm. used to before just doing your thing. Yep. You know, Florence was 
helping you and just like, hey, Ivan, just do these things. You're going to be successful, yep. right? And then you go into being the mentor yep. for all these agents. It's surreal. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, um, thank God uh, I have people to handle the management of it. Yeah. But the relatability and the day to day and the connecting with agents and the growing the company and the vision, I love it. Yeah. I had, um, Sam Coleman on the podcast. Love Sam. So he's with you now, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, when I interviewed him before, uh, he, he was at a different spot and he had a team. Right. And him and I talked off camera about it and I was like, bro, it ain't worth it. Like for what you're doing, you know, like managing this team's going to be it. Oh, he was at EXP. That's yeah. what, you know, he was trying to build yeah. his EXP team. I'm like, dude, you make way more money just like being a luxury agent. Just do that. Yep. And, um, I think that's where he's at today. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, uh, Sam's one of those guys, you know, as I told you, we're not recruiting, we're not hiring, we're not looking yeah. to have people, but he's one of those guys that, that Pamela and I had both been watching for a while and he just has this energy and this work ethic and this excitement. He's an athlete. He and gets he, it. And he's an athlete and he gets it. And, uh, and so I met with Sam and he was humble. When, when Sam joined the company, he, he stood up and introduced the, the, his, uh, his, uh, smaller team at the time, still smaller team, but smaller team. He said, listen, I'm nothing without these people. I am, I, I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm the rainmaker, but I'm not. Yeah. And that, that humbleness, I'm like, this guy's going to be a winner. He is a winner and he's going to succeed in, in bigger than he even thinks he will. And he's got big dreams. Yeah. And his whole business model has changed. Yep. And his presentation has changed. Not that it was bad before, but when you're focusing on luxury, it's different. Yeah. And I'm super proud of him. He's one of those guys that's killing it. What do you think has changed with his presentation? Because he was already doing a little bit of luxury before. Yeah. I, I think what's I think what's changed is uh number one, he was he's when he joined the company, he was open to Ivan, what do I need to shift? Yeah. So he went in with an open mind. Yeah. And and then what changed is he realized that it that it's not a script. You know, it's, and he, he, he had a script down so well, <laughs> nobody knew it was a script. Yeah. He had, I, I remember asking him, I said, Sam, do you have a listening appointment, a listening presentation? He goes, yeah. I said, show it to me. And literally where he placed his arms, where he moved it, how he, how he, how he <laughs> met the person. It, it, it wasn't robotic. You would think it was, but yeah. he knew every angle, everything, every little sideline punch joke, what he was yeah. going to do. He still got a version of that, which makes yeah. him successful but it's softened and he's now having conversations with people. Mm. How, how do you, how often do you work on your sales skills? Like, do you guys take sales training? Do you guys, I mean, you've been doing it so long now, but like how often are you guys working on that? We, we always need to. And the, the, there are times when we, where we talk to the team and talk about different ways of doing things. What are you seeing out there? How are you handling this objection? What's going on? But for the most part, because we're so busy, the, we're in the trenches. Yeah. And we're training in the trenches. Yeah. All the sense. time. If we're not making calls, yeah, then then we need to be rushing up on it. It's funny because I built my career when I was just starting out um, with no sales training or anything. I just naturally figured out how to like get deals done and create win wins and and negotiate. Um, but it's funny because as we we went along, you know, we started to sell more and more things and different products and everything, and. Um, <laughs> My partner at Wealthy Investor, Brian Davila, he asked me literally like three days ago, he goes, Ryan, do you think you're a better marketer or a better salesperson? And I go, marketer for sure. He goes, okay, because you're a pretty crappy salesperson. <laughs> That's what he said. And 
I was like, what do you mean? Like I freaking closed this place exists because I closed you. I closed you. I closed you to get you to work here and you know, whatever. And no, but his point was, he was like, yeah, you don't know anything about like any formal sales training. Yeah. Like you don't understand. You've never read a sales book, really. Like you've never, you don't take any of the trainings that we get for our team. Right. And the way that they do it, um, they have to be precise with how they position themselves and and all this stuff. He's like, you're just a really good marketer. And so people just say yes. He's like, you've done such a great job at just getting attention and like conveying your credibility and your track record and the knowledge that, you know, if you ask somebody to do something, they just do it versus like a, a salesperson has to go in there, convince, pitch, pitch, and do all the things they got to do. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, if you do a great job on the marketing side and the value side and everything else, you don't have to sell. Like people just want to work with you. They want to be a part of what you, your vision. Yeah. And I was like, so yeah, if I just do a great job over here, I don't need to worry about this. And I think you're saying the same thing of like, look, I just stay in touch with these people. I have great relationships. I, you know, just try to add a ton of value. Our track record speaks for itself. Like when I go into a listing, I don't have to like pitch or sell. It's just like, yo, we going to do this. Like it's up to you. So, so there is there, hundred, you're, you're 80% there for my listing presentation. Okay. Because meaning people will look at, look at the results. They look at the track record. They know the brand mostly. They know the yeah. marketing. They receive my material. They get my magazine. They get all those things. And then at the last, at the last minute, I do sit down and say, let me, let me show you. Cause I, I learned a lesson early on. I met with a friend when Florence was still alive and I sat with him. I didn't really give him the pitch. Yeah. And when I say the pitch, you know, my pitch is like this, right? There's no yeah. real pitch, but I didn't really sit down and share with him who, who we are. And, and I say we, because I, I firmly believe and say that I am, it's, it's a we thing. It's yep. not a me thing. And, um, and he's like, Hey, thanks, Simon. Thanks for coming by. And he went and listened with somebody else. Mm. And I'm like, you know what? And I told Florence this, she said, and she said, Ivan, you always present. Yeah. Always share with them why. Because you never know what they're thinking. Yeah. You never know why they've interviewed you. And so now for the most part, I I when I meet with somebody, I will always share with them the the reason why they should list with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell that to entrepreneurs too, where I'm like, look, I know you're scared to like sell, especially on social media right? They're like, oh, I don't want to come off as pitchy or salesy. Right. And I'm like, well, <laughs> how are they going to know what you do? Like how, how are they going to, like sometimes we overthink it and people are on the other side of the screen or wherever the marketing. And they're like, I want to work with you, but I just don't even know how, <laughs> like, I don't even know if I can work with you. Right. So, so true. You, you have to always be selling, but to your point, it's like, 80% of it isn't even selling. Yeah. It's, it's just what it's a conversation yeah. and then backing it up by some facts and showing the marketing that we put out there, where their home's going to be, how it's different than other people and all that. Yeah. So what's like, what's the future hold? I mean, you've been in the game a long time. Yeah. Uh, future is exciting. Uh, let's start personally. I'm in a really good spot in life. Very happy. Uh, love. It's, you know, personal, your personal life needs to be in check. Yeah. And my personal life is in check. I have a great relationship with my kids, great relationship with my ex-wife, great relationship with my girlfriend, great relationship with my business associates. Everything is great. Uh, that being said, there's expansion in the, in the works. Mm -hmm. There are several markets that are feeder markets to Las Vegas. I was going to say that. Why just Vegas? Well, 
just Vegas for now. Yeah. And the reason for, because remember 2017 is when I started my, my really company. taken off. Yeah. Right. And this, this company is only that the is luxuries only since October. Right. Right. So it's really new. Yeah. And, but I'll never forget my girlfriend, Lindsay and I went to, uh, um, to Newport's for 4th of July, a few years, a few years back. And we were at Javier's if you've ever been out there, which is fabulous. I've been to Javier's here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fabulous. They're both yeah. fabulous. And so we went out there and we're, and I said, Lindsay, give me just a second. I went to go use the restroom on the way from our table to the restroom. I bumped into six clients <laughs> and they individually separately, Ivan, what are you doing here? That kind of thing. It's like, give me a sign, give me a sign. You know, that's the sign. <laughs> we should be in Newport <laughs> and, and Park City and yeah. Tahoe and Scottsdale. That's so, what Serhan did too. Yeah. And that's what it's going to be. But I don't want to expand just to expand. Yeah. I got a really good thing going here. There are certain thresholds, financial thresholds, uh, business plan thresholds that we need to achieve before I go ahead and uh, um, create that pipeline and take any attention off of what we're doing here. Yeah. How often do you like, I guess, do you get referral business where you refer to those cities right now? Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's one of the reasons why it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, the, the goal, yeah. the goal is, and if we're on pace, it'll be by middle to end of next year, we'll be in one of the, one other city. Yeah. That'll be exciting. Any, any clues as to where? Uh, I'm choosing between Park City and Newport right now. Got it. Those are the two. And I love them both. And that's where I vacation. <laughs> and I, I mean, if I can, you know what, we'll just do them both. We'll do them both for sure. We'll just, we'll just double up. Why not? Absolutely. You know, you, you shoot, I'm a shotgun guy, you know, you shoot and <laughs> if they both stick, great. If great. they don't, hopefully one does. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think we're going to, I think our next, our next expansion or our expansion is going to be a phenomenal uh, opportunity for a lot of people. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. So if anyone wants to work with you, where do they go? Um, you know what? That's a great question. We got to work on your call to action. I, I, I know. <laughs> where do they go? I don't know. Uh, they can go to, they can, I don't even know where to go. It's easy because your, your marketing is so good that they just organically <laughs> find you that you're not they go to my website. <laughs> they what, go to my website. What's the website? Isluxury.com. 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 Yeah. You know, what's funny when you first started that, remember you were asking me yeah. like, Hey, what do you think? Should I call it is or is? So you went with is. I went with is specifically because Park City is luxury. Newport is luxury. Yeah, I get it. Ryan is luxury. Ivan is luxury. Ryan is luxury. Ryan That's is luxury, for sure. buddy. That's for certain. Yeah. Uh, no, okay. So guys, isluxury.com. Yeah. You know, if you're or, trying to buy or sell in Vegas, it's the spot. Or Ivan at isluxury.com is coincidentally the email address. Ivan, who would have guessed? No one. <laughs> so guys, uh, if you like this episode, if you think I should get more realtors, let me know. I'm, I'm kind of like the realtor... You know, I don't want to say hater, but we just, we got to, we maybe we'll make the realtors a priority. So let me know. I'll get some of these top guys and uh, we'll go from there. So make sure you're subscribed and I'll see you later. Peace. You were the first and I think still the only person to ever do seven figures in their entire first year. What made you want to get into real estate? I read the stat that 90% of millionaires are made in real estate. <laughs> I've got none other than Clint Cooper making a million bucks in his first year to doing almost $800,000 last month alone in his 